In the past few months, Moscow has used the Wagner Group as the centerpiece in recent military operations in Ukraine. Why has Russia given a quasi-mercenary organization such a central and visible role in combat? That is the subject of this episode of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. Welcome to Episode 63 of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. I'm Chris Mayer, retired U.S. Cavalry Colonel, former instructor of the U.S. Army's Command and General Staff College, the Naval War College, and currently contract faculty for the Army War College. These podcasts introduce what I believe are enduring lessons of war, lessons for any citizen to use in fulfilling their role in our country's deliberations about war, peace, and everything in between. These episodes are not monetized or sponsored, not even by you, the listeners. So if you'd like these episodes to continue, if you think these are worthwhile, then please don't hesitate to hit like and let me know. In previous episodes, I, along with several guests, discussed what Wagner is and why it was used in the Middle East, Africa, and in the initial invasion of Ukraine in 2014 to 2015. Now these are found in episodes 2, 38, and 54. The renewed invasion of Ukraine in 2022, however, changed the way the Wagner Group is being used, and the previous reasons for Russia using Wagner seem to have changed. So I find myself asking, why does Moscow use the Wagner Group the way it does in its war with Ukraine? But before going into that, I need to address two very significant changes regarding Wagner since my previous episode, that was episode 62, on mercenaries, terrorism, and war crimes. These both deal with the status of Wagner. First, as discussed in previous episodes, one of the things that aided the chimeral quality of Wagner and which made it different from Western private military and security companies was that it had no corporate existence. It wasn't registered as a legal entity anywhere. This aided deniability by Moscow for Wagner's activity and made it difficult to assign legal culpability to it as a corporate entity. This changed last week. On January 17th, the BBC reported that the PMC Wagner Center was registered in St. Petersburg as a joint stock company, with its principal offering being, quote, business and management consulting, unquote. The second development was the United States Treasury Department designating Wagner as a transnational criminal organization. Both of these events will present opportunities and difficulties in meeting the challenges posed by this quasi-mercenary organization. Earlier episodes brought up that one of the great advantages of Moscow's use of the Wagner Group was deniability. Putin has, at times, either denied Wagner existed at all, while at other times described it as completely independent of the Russian government and it could do as it pleases outside of Russian territory. In either case, Moscow can deny any responsibility for what Wagner operatives do while reaping the benefits of its operations. One extreme example was the attack on the Konoko gas facility in 2018 in Syria. If successful, Wagner would have secured financial resources for its operations and it would have indirectly increased Russian prestige in Syria. As it was, the Wagner force was wiped out by the U.S. military. Throughout the engagement, however, the Russian military denied that the Wagner forces were under Russian control, thereby avoiding any incident between Russian and American military forces and maintaining the image and the prestige of the Russian army, because Wagner wasn't the Russian army. 
Essentially, in the event of failure, Wagner could be disavowed or thrown under the bus. The current situation in Ukraine is different in many respects. Since the area of Ukraine where Wagner is operating has been officially, if illegally, annexed by Russia, Moscow can no longer claim that Wagner is only operating outside of Russia. Second, Wagner is clearly operating in conjunction with the Russian army in combat. According to British military intelligence, Wagner's strength stands at about 50,000 troops, 80% of which may come from Russian prisons. Wagner itself may comprise 10% of Russia's fighting force in its current war in Ukraine. Third, its putative head, Yevgeny Prigozhin, has now made public statements saying that he is the founder and director of Wagner and that Wagner works to promote Russian objectives in Ukraine. Wagner was also given public credit for a recent victory in securing a town and associated salt and gypsum mines in eastern Ukraine. Based on Wagner's activity, Prigozhin has made public statements calling for official recognition of Wagner by Moscow. So why the change from plausible deniability to openly admitting the existence and activity of Wagner? In fact, making Wagner forces the main effort in a highly publicized operation. Related to that, why has Moscow apparently decided to give Wagner such an important role while not incorporating it into the Russian army or making it subject to Russian military control and discipline. Winston Churchill once, or perhaps several times, said, quote, Russia is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside of an enigma, unquote. Another way to visualize this is like a Russian matryoshka doll, with one doll inside of another, each with a different face and a different meaning. History indicates that this is true regardless of Russia's form of government. Now, I don't pretend to have any greater insight into Russia than Winston Churchill, and I admit that I don't know the answer to these questions. I have a firm conviction, however, that the answers are important. It's possible that the decisions made by Moscow regarding Wagner, or rather made by Putin, will have an effect far beyond the current war in Ukraine. As a warning, everything I say after this will be conjecture, and will even include some guessing on my part. Let's start by asking what benefit does Wagner present to Moscow? That is, what can it do that the regular Russian army cannot do? In 2014 and 2015, Wagner, or its predecessor elements, led the way into Crimea and the Donbass region of Ukraine. It did this in the manner of special forces, seizing important positions ahead of the Russian army and obstructing the movement of Ukrainian forces. In the eastern part of Ukraine, operatives conducted clandestine operations, trained local militias, and operated sophisticated weapon systems. Unlike Russian Spetsnaz, that is Russian Special Forces, it did this with complete deniability should Wagner predecessor operatives be identified or captured. In fact, Wagner was led by former or reserve Russian military reconnaissance and intelligence officers, the GRU, and received support from the Russian military intelligence services. But that's not the way they're being used now. Not in Ukraine, anyway. Instead, they're being used as shock troops in highly publicized engagements. Any special training Wagner operatives may once have had seems to have been lost or cast aside. 
the recruitment of large numbers of convicts argues against any continuing elite status. So, then, why use Wagner and not regular Russian military forces? One answer might be found in the recruitment of prisoners. These prisoners are promised termination of their prison sentences depending upon their performance in combat with Wagner. There are numerous reports that Wagner has employed human wave attacks, much like some of the battles fought in the First World War, with similar brutality and casualties. Such tactics and casualties would likely meet with strong public disapproval from the Russian population if they were done by regular Russian soldiers. But for prisoners? That's almost a Russian tradition, harking back to the strafbots or penal battalions used in much the same way in World War II. If Wagner is successful, the Russian military is successful. If Wagner fails, well, it's just a bunch of prisoners, or mercenaries, or both. Another possible answer might be in Putin's disappointment in, or mistrust of, the regular Russian military forces. Multiple sources indicate that Putin expected a decisive victory in three days. This didn't happen, and the Ukrainian armed forces took back most of the territory it lost in the first weeks of the war. Russian attempts to secure regions in Ukraine that it wants to annex have been unsuccessful, losing even more territory in the illegally annexed regions. Putin's efforts at mobilization of reserves in the Russian people have been less than fully successful, as have his efforts to intimidate NATO and formerly neutral nations in Europe. One sign of this lack of confidence is Putin's recent decision to reassign his chief of general staff, Valery Gerasimov, to take command of forces fighting in Ukraine. This could be seen as a demotion for Gerasimov or an act of desperation, taking his most competent general away from the strategic level to fix the operational level. In either case, it shows a lack of confidence in the regular army. The Wagner group might be seen as more politically reliable. Yevgeny Prigozhin, who says that he controls Wagner, is a personal confidant of Putin's. Wagner responds directly to Prigozhin and then to Putin, rather than the Russian Stavka. Wagner's mercenaries may also be seen as more committed to Putin and his notion of a greater Russia than the conscripts and professional soldiers of the army. In these ways, Putin's use of Wagner is similar to Hitler's use of the Waffen-SS in World War II. The atrocities committed by Wagner's troops are in line with the methods of the SS, although the regular Russian army seems to be no less guilty of war crimes. This sense of reliability even applies to the prisoners recruited by Wagner who know that their freedom depends on their performance in combat. Another parallel to the SS is that the success and prestige given to Wagner might be intended as a way to encourage the regular army to make greater efforts. This possibility might also explain the reluctance to put the Wagner group under the direct control of the Russian army, as such incorporation would interfere with direct political control of Wagner by Putin through Prigozhin. There is also the possibility that this could all be driven by financial incentives. As discussed in earlier episodes, Wagner operated in Syria and sub-Saharan Africa with the offer of gaining control over or profits from petroleum or precious metal production. This is a possibility in Ukraine or something similar where salt and gypsum mines seem to be the focus of Wagner's current operations. 
Prigozhin may have asked for the opportunity to take these mines in return for control of the assets. This, in turn, would provide the money to pay the more professional Wagner troops and purchase better equipment, say, from North Korea or Iran. It could be any of these, it could be all of these, or maybe none of these. But there are significant risks if any of these reasons are true for Russia's use of the Wagner Group in the way it is being used in Ukraine. If the World War I-style human wave attacks fail, it will be a public relations bonanza for Ukraine. Even if such tactics are successful, but incur horrendous casualties, it's likely to tarnish Wagner's reputation and make it more difficult to get recruits, equipment, and even future clients for Wagner in Africa and elsewhere. Then there is past experience with allegedly politically reliable organizations, from Caesar's legions to the Praetorian Guard, through the Mamluks and the French Foreign Legion, or various mercenary forces in history, such as the Byzantine Empire's Varangian Guards. Just as much as Putin may decide that he doesn't like the way the army is fighting the war, Prigozhin, or Wagner's tactical leaders, may decide that they don't like the way Putin is running things. This could lead to mutiny or even marching on Moscow. Now, this hasn't been true for all such organizations, and some mercenary forces have been loyal to the death and to the last man. However, history indicates that the more ill-disciplined and societally isolated a group is, the more likely such a coup may come to pass. Now, I'm not saying that a coup by Prigozhin or Wagner's officers is likely, but history indicates that it is certainly a possibility. An additional consideration to all of this is the recent registration of Wagner as a corporate entity. This could be a ploy by Prigozhin, with the support of Putin, to legitimize Wagner, giving it more credibility and support in Russia and in Russian interest areas in its near abroad and overseas. It also, however, makes the PMC Wagner Center a target of opportunity for Western sanctions to include measures that might be taken by the U.S. Treasury Department. But this, too, might be another layer of the Matryoshka doll. The corporation could be a stalking horse, drawing the legal attention of the international community and diverting such attention away from other political, business, and military structures that are doing the actual work of recruiting, training, equipping, and controlling Wagner Group operations as well as similar quasi-mercenary organizations. Similarly, the U.S. Treasury Department designation of Wagner as a transnational criminal organization could inadvertently limit the scope of legal tools available to counter the Wagner Group activities, especially if Treasury fixates on the Wagner corporate identity. Recognition as a foreign terrorist organization without limitation to the corporate entity will enable application of a broader range of diplomatic, economic, and informational tools. In summary, I can only suggest some reasons why Russia might be relying on a mercenary-like organization for its war in Ukraine. But what do you think? Which of these scenarios seems to be a likely answer as to why Putin is using the Wagner Group as he is doing? Now, I've got no insight into the enigma, nor can I see the heart of the Matryoshka doll. What I believe, however, is that no good will come of it.
Once again, these episodes are not monetized or sponsored. So if you'd like these episodes to continue, if you think these are worthwhile, then hit the like button and share the podcast. Please join me again in the next episode of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare.